Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Today, we're focusing on mental and behavioral health, and we have our go-to team here, um, uh, you know, and it starts with my brother, Jeff. Jeff Natale, he's uh, uh, he's done private practice. He's in uh, the regional director for community care here in northwestern Pennsylvania. Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. Joel, it's always good to be here. Have Merry Christmas. Um Bon Natale. Bon Natale, yes. And we're, we're hoping to uh, help people navigate through here. And, you know, we've, and we've talked about things like, we, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago that we had a, a conversation about um, your, your hormones and serotonin and, and all that kind of stuff. We, we kind of went to psycho- psychiatry part of this with Dr. Sippel. Here I want to talk about trauma and talk about – you know, family relationships and, you know, just kind of getting some pro tips and some, you know, self-awareness and, you know, helping those that maybe, you know, are not ready for what might be coming their way when they have these either family encounters or friend encounters or, you know, dealing with a grand a grandchild. I mean, I'm thinking about just the, the sheer breadth of of my listening uh my of my listeners sure they don't know what they don't know what's coming yeah you know i mean people have been isolated so all right so first off tell me about christmas and all the stuff that comes with christmas on a behavioral mental health thing sure you know joel i, I think aside from being uh immersed in a public health emergency that has worn on uh, the uh, the abilities to tolerate from the best of us. Um, aside from that, Christmas can be a, a, a magical holiday, and it can be a difficult holiday emotionally um, for folks, depending on where they're at in their current lives, or or the you mentioned trauma or the things they've struggled with in their pasts. But none of it, not the public health emergency, COVID, none of it has to be a um, uh, a, uh, a predetermined uh, uh, death sentence uh, to be, you know, to go to the most extreme um, at all. It, so much of it has to do with how you move your body and how you uh, address the, the way your your brain works in terms of the thoughts that that uh you give into so how you move your body can you explain that so you're you're kind of saying that hey uh there's you there's some mitigation things that you can do here to help brain your brain before before you even get to that point where things start to look bleak now for all of the listeners who are on the call right now um, who are in a pretty decent place so that are, you know, generally doing all right. You know, maybe they got, you know, some dream job because there's so many available. Yeah. Um, uh, this is a great time for the folks who are in that good place to um, move their bodies, to walk, to exercise. Mm. Um, the uh, For those of us who, you know, lived in the, uh, the Great Lakes area and, 
deal with you know sun setting at five o'clock uh, it's really easy um to not want to wake up in the morning not want to move your body not want to go to the gym not want to just go out for a walk it's easy to just come up with a reason it is so it has always been kind of a cliche in the world of psychology that um, eating right and sleeping right and exercising are um, uh, great ways to stave off depression and anxiety. But now it's it's one of those times where it's not even a good idea anymore. It's something that everyone has to do. Wow. And really, because if you get caught uh, into uh, those moments where depression sets in, it's just that much harder to do. And uh, lots of us are at risk for that right now. All right. So, um, so what is it about Christmas, the holidays? Like, what are the things that we layer on to this time of year that is are not necessarily healthy things? Right. Right. Well, there are definitely there are a couple of things. You know, there there are the there are the the behaviors that we engage in. Um, during certain holidays that just aren't good for us. <clears throat> and then uh, there are the things that we carry into the holidays that aren't very, uh, very healthy. So, and you know, my, um, my esteemed colleague, Dr. Dixon has joined us, um, a, an absolute expert in uh, trauma. And that's one of those things, you know, we can talk in a minute, we'll let Adrian jump right in, but we could talk in a minute about the behaviors that don't really help uh, um, a person who is already struggling emotionally. And we're talking about, um, you know, substance abuse, alcohol, uh, overeating, uh, or any other kinds of- There's uh, a reason why the state stores are packed this time of year. That's right. Not for good reasons. Not good reasons. We do want to welcome Dr. Adrienne Dixon. She's the the president and CEO of Sarah Reed Children's Center and also professor at Edinburgh University. Dr. Dixon, Merry Christmas. Um, You know, we're we're talking trauma. We're talking grief. We're talking, you know, navigating the holidays in a healthy way. Uh, Let's. How about your overview about Christmas, this Christmas time, and dealing with people that could be toxic or dealing with memories that could be traumatic? Well, thank you. Well, thank you for allowing me to be here today and including me in the conversation. Um, you know, it, it is a very difficult time. It's overlaid by COVID and a number of other things that we have been plagued with over the past two years. But in general, when we think about this time of the year, it can be a really difficult time for folks, right? It's built up in the media um, in everything that you see, even like before Thanksgiving, that this is supposed, this is the special time of the year. It's that magical time and it's so special and everybody's happy and you're with family. But when you're with folks who are struggling um, with, you know, managing their mood and trying to regulate those things or who may not have access to those resources that many do, it may not be congruent with how the media is depicting what is the typical normal, you know, you know, this is a lovely, wonderful life, right? Um, that that can be really difficult. And, and we've seen so much is going on. I mean, even just recently, the devastation is happening across our country with those uh, six states that were hit and, and certainly those, um, you know, families and, and individuals in Kentucky um, and Wisconsin. And so this 
can be a really challenging time that my internal thought process, feelings and emotions are incongruent with what I see from the outside world. And so that may intensify people's sense around that, rather they may, um, you know, it may not necessarily encourage them to seek out supports because they feel maybe that they're different, that everything that they're seeing in those images and hearing about may be contrary to um, what, you know, what they're feeling and what they're experiencing. And so I do think it's important for us to do a little bit more check-in and outreach, even the most well, um, insulated person who has the great, who have the greatest, you know, supports and resources and thought processes are really struggling in, in these days. You know, wow. sometimes it's like, you know, I, you know, I have to consciously say, let me take um, a step back and kind of regroup. And, you know, depending on where you are, even again, the person who has the, the greatest um, resources and supports and understanding even, you know, those of us who even work in the field, it can be really overwhelming. And so I do think as it's important as professionals, as a community, how we rally together and become more aware about this. I don't want to go in down this rabbit hole, but I will say I can't imagine that Instagram is any helpful thing here when somebody's showing off their beautifully decorated living room and you're like looking at your Charlie Brown tree and you just can't get off the couch. That would be, that sounds like that would be, uh, that just adds another layer of toughness to this whole thing. Right. You know? And a lot of it is just, it's, you know, it's fueled by, you know, the, the, the market and the economy. This is a, this is a strategy, right. To promote sales, but really it also pushes images that are incongruent. And in some ways, um, make trigger people. Uh, this is also a time that if you've experienced a great deal of trauma that may be associated around this, um, maybe this is a stressful time of the year and things occurred. You know, so there are a number of things, of course, when you go into marketing and media campaign, you're not really thinking about that end of it, but we're thinking about the end of sales. And so again, there's, there's lots of layers here that impact um, individuals and families. Our, our, Jeff, you you, you kind of mentioned we were we, we were talking about you know bad choices, bad behavioral choices this time of year. Uh, it is is are those just you know kind of weak um, grasps at coping mechanisms? So yeah, if I get a another bottle of schnapps or or whatever that is, and I, I don't want to belittle it, I'm just trying to understand it. Sure. Yeah, <clears throat> I think uh, Joel that the there is. Adrian said it really nicely there, you know, we are a commercialized culture and uh, the commercialization of being a human being um, can be enormously benign. You know, you can enjoy a, a glass of wine over dinner with friends and that is terrific, but it's slippery slope for folks who may be alone or feeling alone, uh, even when they're around lots of people, maybe feeling alone uh, uh, on the inside. And so it's just one of those, um, we, we can never be too careful um, with our um, kind of emotional well-being uh, now more than ever uh, in the middle of this pandemic. And so this is a great opportunity for folks to maybe lay back uh, pull or pull back on um, the volume of substances that they consume. Uh, just one more thing that they don't need to add on uh, 
to whatever pain they may be carrying. We're talking about, uh, you know, navigating uh, trauma and grief and uh, uh, all the other things that, that come our way, all the obstacles uh, uh, to staying well uh, in a holistic manner over over the Christmas time. And I want to talk about grief in, in this segment, guys, because um, here's the thing with COVID that that has really cre- crept up on us, and I'm not sure everybody is um, tuned in, is that first off, there are people that we know that have died because of COVID-19. There are also people that we know that have died of other, of other reasons. I mean, just, you know, you're, the, you know s- stuff happens throughout the year. But this, the way that our society is structured right now because of the pandemic, it really doesn't lend itself to the normal um, institutions of, of community and, and collective, uh, you know, co- collective help for grief. So let's let's start with grief here, and uh, Jeff, we'll start with you. Um, you know, uh, what do what do you do about? It? I, I'm I'm at a loss of even what to ask. I just yeah. know what I see, right? I think I think I know what you're talking about. The um, that uh, this pandemic has stolen um, rituals away from us. The ability to ritualize wonderful things. Um, we've heard uh, often about, you know, don't, you know, early in the pandemic about not meeting uh, with anyone outside of your own uh, household. And it's also stolen um, the ability to memorialize those that we lose. And so, you know, that's the extreme, right? So, we're, you know, but, but it's worth discussing, you know, I, um, in my uh, own family, um, and my the team that I lead have lost people, some people uh, to COVID and some people to, you know, other illnesses, as you mentioned, and in each case have not been able to go to the funeral home, you know, pay our respects, attend the funeral. And those kinds of things um, are really, um, they they really just kind of pile on to the the pain that we carry, um, uh, the trauma that will stay with us. And there are solutions, Joel, uh, and there are ways, and, and we have to get good at those, by the way. We have to, um, we, are, we are a changed society, and um, we have the opportunity to embrace those changes or to continue to kind of white knuckle it in hopes that, um, I'm sure you've heard the term, when things go back to normal. Yeah. I'm not sure that that's going to happen, no. but it is an opportunity for things to be uh, a different, but just as a healthy normal. Mm. Uh, Dr. Dixon, can you weigh in on this? Well, I think that, you know, Jeff has really highlighted, you know, some of the really key um, supports and um, self-care or, or insulated care that we utilize as individuals and families having rituals coming together. And those things really got derailed over the past two years because of COVID. You know, I think in general, grief has been, depending on what community you're you're operating in, that that sometimes can be a little tricky about how people conceptualize it. And in certain communities, you know, again, 
Um, you know, people may not want to feel as if they're being a burden and that I'm grieving or, you know, our, that old, you know, American model, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can be strong, move forward, you know, men don't cry, whatever mantra we want to look at that sometimes when we're grieving, that it is interpreted, um, sometimes in, in, in a negative way. So having those rituals and having those, um, supportive pieces that come together, that bring people together is a tool or resource that we um, have struggled um, um, struggled with over the past couple of years that we just didn't have uh, available to us. I do think that, you know, as a professional group, we are taking a much stronger look at grief and how we manage the grieving process, what things can we do, particularly in wake of, and, and, and Jeff said it so well, it, it's no longer like, you know, when we get over COVID, this is our reality that we're dealing with. And um, whether it's COVID or other infectious kinds of things, it, it's taught us a new way to think about how we may be challenged and how we may need to communicate. It's opened up a whole digital platform that many people didn't embrace. And so, it, it, it will impact us and there will be ripples behind us for years to come. And so thinking of ways that we continue to support one another as individuals, as families, as communities will be critical. Maybe, uh, Dr. Dixon, you could go over some of those, uh, 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 you know, some good uh, practices when someone is really uh, in navigating grief. I, I would imagine writing things down or, you know, writing a letter or, you know, uh, describing feelings. Uh, uh, Jeff mentioned taking walks and, and, and exercising as, as part of a, a grief release. Uh, are, are those all helpful things? What are some of those things that are out there? Yeah, I think that self-care piece is just helpful in general, particularly whether we're talking about, you know, a grief of a lost one or just, you know, grief in terms of, you know, however that individual is experiencing a loss or complicated loss. Those are all, you know, wonderful tools that you can utilize by trying to, again, self-regulate, being mindful and meditating and being aware and being present. I think um, during these times, it may also be common that you'll see people isolate. And so looking at ways to, to retain the you know, connectedness with other folks and those of us who may not necessarily have experienced a direct loss, but may be connected to someone that we are reaching out to them, encouraging them, you know, that, um, you know, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to um, to feel sad. What's you know what we don't want people is sitting in that for long periods of time or isolating. And so, how do we reach out and how do we make things available to them in you know our natural grassroots efforts, but also in more structural, supportive, formalized resources. And so, encouraging people that we want to do those things like that we have control over taking walks and, and being mindful about our, our diets and what we're doing and engaging in those relationships that support us, but also that it's okay to reach out for additional support um, in a formal way. So, you know, seeking out an organization or an entity that can support us, whether that's in, you know, support groups or individual work or some family work or group work, that it's okay. And that can be a really helpful tool to people. Yeah, I would imagine that the group the group work, even uh, if it is on Zoom, can be helpful. Jeff, I got less than a minute here. Uh, any uh, other thoughts about grief? You know, Dr. Dixon handled it so well, which you mentioned, Joel, uh, and maybe we can spend a little bit of time talking about it in the next segment, 
is intentionality, mm. doing things on purpose for me to make me feel better. Wow. Okay. I, I'm, I'm tracking totally with that. Again, making me the priority, even though I have all these other things that uh, I'm responsible for. Because, I mean, again, you know there are people that have lost spouses. They've lost uh, parents. They've lost – some have lost kids. I want to uh, jump on what Jeff had mentioned about self-care and intentionality. So, Jeff, uh, take it away. What, what do you mean by intentionality? Again, so many of us – I'm just, I'm just going to be – you know, so many of us can really be immature when it comes to this stuff, right? Well, I'm going to make it as super simple, Joel. <clears throat> I'll recall um, a really difficult case that I worked with who um, it was a, a mom who had really um, difficult to treat uh, uh, depression. Okay. And I remember going through her day with her, and this is what I mean by intentionality. And I asking her, what do you do? To, what do you do to prepare for work? Because she was still working. And um, so she went through and talked about, you know, getting dressed and picking out clothes and what a hardship all those things were. And so intentionality in that situation was, I want you to think about when you're washing your hair, um, being mindful of what it feels like to wash your hair and to clean your hair and how good the shampoo smells. And to really, what we call that is grounding. And so just bringing the person to the present, because when I'm, when I'm sad or when I'm anxious, I'm either thinking about my past or I'm thinking about my future. Uh, which really brings me down you know, or makes me worry. Uh, so it's just that simple. You know, on, on Christmas, if I'm thinking about um, how alone I am, I'm generally thinking about how I came to be alone. But when I pour myself a cup of coffee or make a cup of coffee or make cocoa or, or just make a, you know, a, a TV dinner even, if I'm that alone, and I think about how good this particular drink I'm drinking tastes or this food I'm eating tastes, um, how nice my, you know, if I'm burning a candle or uh, any of those um, senses allow us to be um, more grounded in the present. And that's really what intentionality is. I'm doing things on purpose. And when I do things on purpose for myself, I can't help but have a positive experience with those things. That's just the beginning of intentionality. Dr. Dixon, I want you to weigh in on this because, uh, you know, you deal with uh, young people that sometimes, uh, you know, are not able to really deal with their emotions and so on. How do you, um, you know, as a parent, as a grandparent, how can we help our young people, our adolescents and our children uh, uh, do this uh, grounding, this intentional grounding that Jeff's talking about? Well, I think first and foremost is, you know, how do we help inform the community? And so, you know, looking at resources that we can get information out there that we're collaborating from a professional lens with our schools and educational um, settings that help them to be able to introduce these things in really practical ways mm. and that families are informed about it. I do think when, you know, you made a good point is that young people may not 
um, necessarily appreciate or understand it. And so again, as much as we can inform and educate our community around it so that we help them to um, develop this ability to produce these, um, this, this response of being connected, being present, being in the moment. And those things, um, you know, if just Jeff indicated really do produce those positive feelings and help promote positive moods and thoughts and, and, and people's ability to be able to adapt to more stressful situations. And I think, um, you know, rather than kind of matching stress and anxiety and going up, what we want to do in that grounding is to be intentional. And one of the ways you, you get at that is you have to educate people about what those resources and tools are. And I think we can accomplish that in a grassroots effort, as well as formalized services or or support services that exist at um, local organizations. But if if I if I if my grandchild uh, is with me, and they they are obviously stressed, they're they're obviously having a hard time. Wouldn't you know? Wouldn't quality, or I shouldn't say quality, but just spending time with them, helping them talk through their feelings, maybe helping them realize their current reality, that's got to be all positive stuff that we can kind of do by just, I mean, I've, I've seen it in my own kids and just when we're just sitting down and the phones are put away and we're looking eye to eye, it, I mean, we're really able to make a connection and we're really able to bring the, the stress down, it seems to me. Absolutely. I think those are those, how do you inform, how do you educate, how, what are some practical ways that we can do it in both those in-homes, grassroots, educational settings that are just typical things, you know, check, you know, what I would say is unplugging and plugging into family or to um, spending time, uh, turning off the TV. We found that with COVID, right, that that really escalated and triggered people because it is a constant. And so whether you're watching the news or whether or not you're watching your phones and you're on Instagram or whatever social media platform that is a continuous loop and our young people are dialed into that digital platform. So anytime that we can create the space and opportunity um, to sit and be connected, you're going to take people out of being, um, you know, tuned into all those different moving parts to being very present, whether it was with another person or being present with themselves. And some of that is really taught is teaching people that, you know, to, you know, set that aside and let's be present in the moment. Jeff, I'm thinking about how we grew up and, you know, um, somehow mom had to make all those cookies and cakes and stuff for Christmas. And mm -hmm. it would seem to me that there was a lot more going on than just the outcome of the carbohydrates. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like she really involved us, you know, we get, you know, whether it is rolling out the dough and making the sugar cookies, the cutouts or whatever, or, uh, or helping her with the mixer and all that stuff. Um, is that a lost art or is that something that that parents can really embrace to 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 help their kids along even if they're they're having a tough time at Christmas? Well, you know, it's interesting. Those are all the rituals that we were talking about. Yeah, and, right. Wow. And no, it, we shouldn't we shouldn't give up on those so easily. It's just that we may be needing to create them. So Joel, we've been talking really about two kinds of groups of people. We have the people who have people and then we have the people who don't have people. And, and though that, that work on embracing the here and now, I mean, I hate to sound, you know, you know, a little bit kind of out there, 
But I'll give you an example of something that you said that was really terrific. You said about, you know, well, how do you do grounding with, young, you know, young kids? Do you remember going outside and laying in the snow and making uh, snow angels? Absolutely. That, that's all a, a sensory experience. It's cold. You're laying on the ground. It's a little bit soft because you're laying on the snow. You're pushing snow around. Those are all sensory experiences. When you go uh, sled riding, it's the same thing. You're concentrating on that, you know, getting your sled to go as fast as possible, and then you have to run back up the hill. Mm. Or when you're just going for a walk. All of these are, you notice, all of these are kind of moving type of things. And, and there is some value in moving your body, but there's also times that are just good to sit. To sit, like I mentioned, with a candle or on your favorite chair if you're by yourself. And that's what I mean. There, if there are two groups of listeners, some that may have tons of people around them and others maybe not so many, you can, you can do these things that are really very natural, whether you're in a group or by yourself, um, but your listeners really want to start to think about what are the things that I enjoy and how can I, when I'm doing those things, really keep in mind about all the actions I'm taking to enjoy those things. It comes natural when you're, when you're uh, uh, sliding down a hill on a sled. You can't help but just get into it. But that is an intentional uh, activity. I, I love that. All right, we're 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 uh, got like less than seven minutes to go, and I want to make sure that uh, we talk about options for when when things get beyond us. Okay, so um, uh, again, uh, uh, I I do I want I want to shine a light on one of the crises that behavioral health is experiencing right now is the lack of um, enough practitioners because of COVID-19. Dr. Dixon, talk about uh, really kind of uh, a a true crisis that we're having in mental health as far as having enough enough, uh, troops on the ground. Yeah, I think, you know, certainly what we saw over the past two years has brought us to this point that people um, are really reassessing what they want to do, um, what field they want to work in. I think, you know, when we start to look at how the stress has mounted, even for the helper. So, I mean, there's a term in our field that we talk about the wounded helper. And um, there's a lot of us, you know, that have uh, been in this field that it's, it's, it's a struggle. And some have decided that they have, you know, they do not want to continue. You know, I think as an educator in, in the field around behavioral health, I've also seen that people are not necessarily going into the field even with training or, um, you know, degrees in this, that they may be deciding to go to, even though they may be in education, they're deciding to go elsewhere or outside of this community. So there, it is a mounting concern and a crisis about the number of positions across our behavioral healthcare system, certainly within our community, local community, but we're seeing it regionally, we're seeing it nationally, um, that this is becoming a mounting concern, both at the entry level positions, as well as our more advanced and um, highly trained um, or skill set, specialized skill sets. So when you're looking at clinicians or therapists and even doctors, physicians, nurses, um, and certainly educators, if you're working in a um, 
program that may be a dual um, identity of working with behavioral health and education, it's also very difficult to recruit educators at this time. So it is a, a serious crisis that um, at, the, at, at every level people are paying attention to. And, and so that, Jeff, that seems to mean to me that um, uh, for, you know, for those that are trying to seek help, we, we definitely want them to reach out. But, you know, it's going to be important that uh, that they work on their stuff. I mean, they do the work. That's right. The, the, the one plea I have for all of your listeners is get the help reach out. We have so many skilled, talented clinicians, but be ready to do the work. You know, it used to be that we had so many clinicians and so, you know, so many places to turn that you could really kind of take your time and figure out whether or not you want to do this therapy stuff. But Adrian said it uh, so well, we, we are, we're, we're at a, a crisis state that mirrors um, what our healthcare colleagues are going through as they treat uh, COVID. And there's only so much help to be given and we wanna give it. We just need the best thing that a patient can do for a therapist is be a good patient that's ready to do, uh, ready to do the work. Yeah. So that's our, that's our, our ask. But we we want to make sure that we're clear here that if you are in crisis, I mean, you may just need to call nine one one, right? I mean, you may need to just call nine one one or or our crisis line, yeah, four five six two zero one four, if I'm not mistaken, or Adrian, you can correct me. But yeah, nine one one works just as well. There there will be those times where you just need someone to hold you until you can hold yourself uh, and take care of your own needs. I love this this concept of of like of where 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 healing comes is in reality, you know, of of really understanding where you are right now, and then healing comes through relationships. And it and for for those that of us that have been fortunate to not uh, endure a loss this year, or for not to. Um, uh, you know that you know we're kind of healthy. We can be. Um, we can be life givers. We can be light givers during this time of year by checking in with those folks. I think you said it very well, Dr. Dixon, of just saying, check in, see how people are doing. Absolutely. I think that is so important, particularly when you're in a, you know, we're in a culture where we have, um, you know, been in a scenario that we are um, not wanting to put each other at risk because of you know medical needs and because of the virus and that we're trying to be mindful of that that that's reinforced us to look to our digital and social media platforms to communicate to engage but it's also um you know a slippery slope that some folks may really isolate there and so really encouraging folks to reach out um reach out more than maybe which you might have um not you know done in the past and sometimes we feel like we're intruding but what i've learned is um that oftentimes we need to ask the question and that people tend to be much more responsive and appreciative that we reached out rather than they they take on the narrative that someone doesn't care and it reinforces them to you know push further into isolation all right i'm going to make a big turn here uh uh dr dixon and jeff uh 
let's let's finish because I really do believe that there's something therapeutic about baking. All right, so Dr. Dixon, okay. what is your absolute favorite dessert at Christmas time? My absolute favorite dessert at Christmas time would have to be oh my apple pie. Oh, oh, I knew I had great <laughs> affections for you, Doctor. <laughs> so, do you Nothing do you like do the lattice? Do you do the lattice topping and all that? I do. I, you know, I actually um, would make them with my great grandmother, wow. who was a wonderful cooking and 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 baker. And um, I actually didn't start making them so about 10 years ago. But, you know, what's so important when you were saying, like, I think there's something in bacon. Like, yeah, we do the we do the lattice work. You do homemade crust. You do the apples and you make the filling. And it's that smell, too, of the cinnamon or the nutmeg and, and you know, all those spices coming together that that literally warms your heart. You walk into that and you're like, well, what is that? You know, so, I mean, I think also the process of baking is it puts you into that that intentional space and you're tasting things you have to be very present about you know what you're putting into the pie yeah and um you of course there's you have to be mindful when you put it in and how you put it in and watching it so that it doesn't overcook and it's not undercooked and so yeah cooking and baking um there's some great i think metaphors in there and parallels to taking care of ourselves and being mindful all right that's beautiful uh how about you jeff Oh, how do you top that? Apple pie, Joel. Easy. <laughs> and Adrian Dixon's apple pie sounds like where I need to be at. With ice cream. With, oh, well, with, with, with alamode. Vanilla ice cream. Yes. No, I thought, Jeff, I, I, I've got to go with the... Uh, uh, with the egg drop cookies, you know, okay. like Annie makes and mom makes, sure. you know, sure. with the with the anise icing. Hello. Yes. That's yep, the best. I, I, I'm right there with you, Joel, especially when they're warm and soft. <laughs> and you eat them by the dozens. I want to I want to say thank you so, so much, Dr. Adrian Dixon of Sarah Reed Children's Center, Jeff Natale of Community Cares. Merry Christmas. Thank you so, so much for helping us navigate the holidays in a, in a holistic, healthy way. Really appreciate it. Many blessings, Joel. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I hope you have a blessed holiday. Thank you. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.